الحمد لله وكفى السلام على عباده الذين استفى اما بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم كونوا ربانيين بما كنتم تعلمون الكتاب وبما كنتم تدرسون سبحان ربك رب العزه اما يصفون السلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم الله سبحانه وتعالى in his infinite wisdom and mercy he created each and every one of us insan is not a rock that it should just remain there insan is not a blade of grass that it should go with the flow allah taala created insan to become the greatest of all of his creation to become his greatest lover and his greatest beloved Allah Ta'ala created insan to give them a gift of unimaginable proportion to give them the gift of eternal akhirah in jannah that is why Allah Ta'ala created insan so you and me were not created in this world for this world we were created by Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala for Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un it's not just words it's a feeling that a believer should have in their heart you know like when you have clothing and it says quality days no matter what say made in china hmm? so actually us we are made by allah made for allah now when something is made by allah taala and made for allah subhanahu wa taala how much of a relationship can it really have in this world And if you think about it with your mind only Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala should live forever. If you were to ask your aql, your mind, you would say that living forever what we call immortality in a bit, sort of fancy English. This only befits Allah Ta'ala. We are mortal. We should remain mortal. But no. Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I want to create a special creation that I want to make them live forever. They won't live on their own. They will only live because I command them to live. Allah Taala alone is Al Hayyul Qayyum, that He is independently ever living. But by His hukum, His ira, by His command and His will and His wish, He will make insan also live forever. Now we cannot understand what forever is. So I'll give you two ways which people have tried to understand how long is forever. First Imam Al-Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala in his Ihya'ul Muddin he used an example that maybe people could understand how long is forever. He said imagine that there's a small bird which in English we would call sparrow in Urdu you would call chirya. And that small bird takes one grain of seed in its beak and puts it on the ground. and then after 1000 years again puts another grain of seed on the ground imagine how long it would take for the whole planet to be full of, of grain of seeds going all the way to the sky 
Now technically, if you look at it scientifically, even that is finite, limited. Because planet Earth is a finite quantity. The distance between the surface of the Earth and the atmosphere is a finite quantity. So it's actually limited, it's not infinite, it's finite. But me and you, our mind cannot even imagine how long that would be, right? If you think about it like that, that one bird putting one small seed on the ground, and then a thousand years later putting another seed on the ground, how long would it take for all of earth to be filled up with such high and tall mountains of seeds that they reach the atmosphere, mean you can't think in such big numbers. It's beyond our ability. And in modern science, mathematics, when they invented calculus, the whole purpose of calculus is we cannot handle infinity. So if there are any of you who study this, so the limit of x as it approaches 5, well, there are infinite numbers between steps between 4 and 5, but we can't handle that, so just treat it as 5. That's the philosophy of calculus, that the limit of x as it approaches 5, just treat it as 5. And math will teach you that any number that you put on top of infinity, the result will be zero. If I compare a million over infinity, zero. Ten to the power of one million over infinity, zero. So even math is telling us that no matter how, what you have, compared to infinity, it is nothing. And that's what Allah Ta'ala was trying to tell us in Qur'an. That the stuff of the dunya, this whole world, the whole life of the world, everything that is in this world, all of it is nothing. You could become the owner of every piece of land on earth. Forget one property in Denmark. You could become the owner of all of the planet, the whole solar system. It's still nothing. <laughs> Why is it nothing? It's only nothing if you can compare it to Akhirah. And if you don't have that comparison, this world is what they call the be-all and end-all of your life. So our deen teaches us a very different outlook, a very different perspective. Made by Allah, made for Allah. Live for Allah, die for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The world teaches you that love for the world, live for the world, and die in the service of the world. So then, when Allah Ta'ala created us in this world, so there must be something that He gave us, which would enable us to understand this. So broadly speaking, Allah Ta'ala gave every human being two ni'mah, two bounties, two blessings. One is a mind, and one is a heart. This is the special feature about insan, that we were given a mind, and we were given a heart. But why were we given a mind? Our mind was given so that we would fill up that mind with the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the knowledge revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why I mean you have a mind. This is our mistake. That we think my mind is so that I can have all types of thoughts and fantasies and daydreams and science fiction. And that's not why we were given this mind. <laughs> this mind was given to us to fill this mind with knowledge about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to fill it with the knowledge revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why we have a mind. And why were we given a heart? We were given a heart to fill that heart with love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything that He wants us to love. That's our mistake, that we use our heart for unlawful love, for ghairullah, before nikah, outside nikah, 
for lustful love, materialistic love, love for money, love for wealth, love of the self, ujub, vanity, conceit, love for status, love for fame. That's not why we were given heart. <laughs> so we were given this incredible mind and Allah Ta'ala revealed incredible knowledge. And yes, we were given an incredible heart, feelings, for to have love for that incredible Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is that simple? So actually the message of deen is very simple. Your mind and heart should be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your body will work in the world. Your body will eat the world. Your body will work to earn in the world. That's your body. Your mind and heart belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, if a person only has love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they don't have the knowledge then sometimes they make some mistakes this is what Sayyidina Rasulullah explained to us when he talked about the content of Bidu when you have only love and you don't have knowledge then that love is unguided and that love becomes very powerful but because it doesn't know where to go sometimes it goes a bit astray it goes in the wrong direction like for example the classical I don't know what goes on in Denmark today but classical orthodox Christianity they had too much love for Sayyidina Isa and then they started viewing him as the son of God then they started viewing him as God or one of three gods it was too much love and not enough knowledge and that love went undirected because all of us know, because it is our iman, that Sayyidina Isa never taught this. He always taught that I'm a Nabi, I'm a Prophet. And he had companions, Hawariyun, he had Ansar, he had real Sahaba also. And they all would have known that he was a Prophet. But somehow when people lost the knowledge, then when there was love without knowledge, it ended up in the wrong direction. So it's not good to have love without knowledge. On the other hand, if a person has knowledge but doesn't have love, that's also a problem. Why? Because when you have knowledge and you don't have love, that leads to arrogance. Then a person also goes astray. So what's the best example of this? Iblis. Now how did Iblis become shaitan? Iblis was not an atheist. He does not deny the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's seen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's 100% believer. You should reflect on this. Iblis is not an atheist. He is 100% believer. He is anal yakin. He saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He heard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to him to make sajda. He heard it. 100% belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 100% knowledge that Allah is Allah. He had marifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, but he didn't have love. <laughs> That's why the Arabs say, it's not a hadith, it's just a saying in the Arabs. Al-muhimbu liman ahabba muti'un. It was the way they were trying to explain what love is. So the lover, who is going to be called muhib, lover? The lover is the one who is obedient, muti'ah, who is obedient to their beloved. That's the sign of love, is obedience. And he believed in hell, they couldn't obey. <laughs> he could not obey. And some ulama write, because many of us, we think, right, that no, shaitan was obeying Allah Ta'ala for millions of years. And he made one disobedience. No. Some ulama say that actually shaitan was worshipping Allah Ta'ala for millions of years. But until this moment, Allah Ta'ala had never directly, personally commanded him anything. He was worshipping, 
as he had observed the angels worshipping, he was copying the angels. This was the first time that Allah Ta'ala issued him a direct command. And he disobeyed. So when you have knowledge without love, it is dangerous. And we have seen that people who have knowledge of deen, but they don't have that love for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, then they get arrogant, they become harsh, they're not able to melt the hearts of the people. It results in a, another problem altogether. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala gave us both of these things. Mind to fill with knowledge for of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala and heart to fill it with the love for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Now the difference between us and the early believers, because no doubt Sayyidina Rasulullah said a hadith, خَيْرُ الْقُرُونِ قَرْنِي That the best of generations is mine. ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يُلُونُهُمْ And then after that, the ones who will follow them. ثُمَّ الَّذِينَ يُلُونُهُمْ And then the ones who will follow them. So this is known as Sahaba Tabin Tabai Tabin. Right? What's the difference between them and us? There are some differences. First difference is that we today spend all of our effort to understand creation. If you look at insan, and even believers, many believers, all of their research and effort is directed towards makhluq. I want to understand the world. I want to understand scientifically. I want to understand the atom, the black hole, the galaxy. I want to understand people, sociology, anthropology. I want to understand the system, the economy, the politics. All of our effort is trying to understand makhluq. The early people, all of their effort was to understand the khalq. They wanted to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> they wanted to know His asmal husna. Yes? Literally, you can imagine that today if a person is the world's greatest physicist or astronomer or biologist or economist or person of literature or philosophy, as much as he has spent his lifetime in understanding creation, just like that to true Siddiqeen, Sadiqeen, Salihin, Awliya, they spent their lives in understanding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what they were interested in. So we would say in Urdu, every now and then I may say one or two sentences in Urdu for some of our elders, but I will always have already said that in English, <laughs> or I will say it immediately afterwards in English. You don't have to worry, you won't miss anything. It's the same thing I already said in English. Right? Second difference is that today, what, let me explain this to you. What does it mean? So I'll give you an example because I'll be giving it to some of the friends after Jummah. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Lillahil Asma'ul Husna Fad'uhu Biha. That to Allah Ta'ala belong the infinitely beautiful names. And you should call upon Allah Ta'ala, you should understand Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, your heart should have feelings for Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala through these names. And me and you, most of us, most people in this room, the women, the men, we don't know the names of Allah Subhanahu We don't even know them. Can you imagine that Allah Ta'ala is telling you in Quran? Sometimes people come to me and say, oh, can you tell me something that I can make dua to Allah Ta'ala, that I can change my life? So Allah Ta'ala has told you things and you don't do it. <laughs> right? What can I tell you? <laughs> when Allah Ta'ala is already telling you something and you haven't done it. He told you to know His names. 
know the words, know the meanings of the names, and make your heart have feelings for him, based on those meanings, and then make dua to him, and then see what happens. Don't do it. Now, I'm sure so many of you know the names of so many football, soccer teams in the world. Hmm? Maybe you know the names of so many countries in the world. Huh? Maybe you know the name of so many brands of cosmetics or brands of cars in the world. Hmm? You don't even know the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe if I make one person stand up, maybe he can recite 10, 15, 20 at best. Most of you won't be able to go beyond 20. And I tell you to name the flavors or colors or this or that, you can give me list and list and list. You don't even know Allah Ta'ala's names. <laughs> you know, when I was a professor at a university for six years, I would try to know the names of my students. If there was a student who I didn't even know their name, how would they feel? They would say, <laughs> the professor doesn't, doesn't even know my name. <laughs> but he couldn't care less about me. He couldn't even be bothered to know my name. Hmm? And that is our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the names that we know, we don't know the meanings. Hmm? What's the difference between Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim? It's a difference. And if you don't know the difference, you will never be able to be Abdul-Rahman and Abdul-Rahim. The whole purpose of this knowledge was so that we would learn how to be the Abu, the Ibad of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This person says, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I don't know the difference. Hmm? Okay, did you ever try? That's even the worst part. One is, okay, I don't know, but I really tried. Huh? I made effort, I read, I researched, I asked. No, when you ask the second question, okay, you don't know. First question, do you know? I don't know the difference. Okay, second question, have you ever tried? That's an even more scary answer. No, I've never ever even tried. I've never even bothered to understand the difference between Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. You know, the early Muslims, why do you think they used to pray so much salah? Why does a person pray all night, half the night, one third of the night? Why? Because they enjoy it. <laughs> they enjoy it. When they would say in their salah, Bismillah, they would get a different feeling. When they would say, Ar-Rahman, they got a different feeling. When they said, Ar-Rahim, they got a different feeling. Different feeling. Me and you, we don't know that. We know the flavors of the world. If I say the word chocolate, strawberry, vanilla, you immediately know different feeling, different taste, different enjoyment. When they said Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, they had a different feeling. When they said Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, they had a different feeling. Like when you eat chocolate, you eat strawberry, you get different feeling. Do we get that feeling? We have no difference, we have no idea what's the difference between Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim and Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. If I ask, why do you say Subhanu Rabbi Al-Azim in Ruku and why Subhanu Rabbi al in Sajda? No idea. <laughs> no idea. If I ask a lady that why do you put saffron in this and you put, oh, she can give you many reasons. Oh, this is this type of dish, that's why it should have that ingredient. This is this type of dish, therefore it has that ingredient. Hmm? We don't even know the ingredients of Salah. <laughs> Allah Akbar. And then a person says, oh, I don't feel anything in my Salah. How are you going to feel? <laughs> How are you going to feel? They used to pray salah like me and you eat ice cream. MashaAllah, we can eat chocolate ice cream. One scoop, second scoop, third scoop. We could eat it all night. Huh? Why? Because every single spoon, we get pleasure. They got laza and lutf from every single ruku, every single sajda. That's why they prayed all night. 
What are praying because anybody forced them to? Always remember that the hajjud is the prayer that you can never pray out of force. The hajjud is the prayer that you pray out of passion, that you pray out of feeling. There's a difference between them and us. The difference is here and here. Not akal. You may think, oh, we're more scientific and rational. No. The knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Difference. Second difference is that we spend all of our efforts working for the dunya. Our day, our night, our planning, our hopes, our aspiration, our dreams. Dream job. Dream house. Your dream house is not in this world. Your first real house is going to be about six feet long, two feet wide, and about twelve feet deep. That's going to be your first dream house. Oh, that's not dream. That's cupboard. I know. That's your cover in the grave. That's you. Okay. I'll explain it. So that will be your first house. So your dream should be that your grave... You see, Sayyidina Rasulullah said that the graves of the pious are rodhatum min riyadh jannah will be like a garden from the gardens of jannah. So that should be our dream. That I should have so much taqwa, so much deen that my grave should be like a garden from the gardens of jannah. But very few of us ever think like that. We're not planning for our cupboard. Today when somebody has a house in this world, mashallah, you see the planning they do. They get the tiles from Spain and they get the marble from Italy and they get this door. They plan everything. Even the bathroom. They even plan what type of sink and what type of faucet and even what type of dustbin, which is something that you're going to put najasa in. Even that they personally select. Hmm? And what planning have we given to our house that is going to be in the grave? Hmm? How many of us can say, I know that I'm going to get a garden from the garden of Jannah? We're very far from that. And then the next dream house is the house we have in Akhira. That's the real house. <laughs> Whatever house you have in this world won't even go with you into the grave. It won't even be buried with you. It will stay behind. The real house is the one of the Akhira. You know, let me tell you, you know how amazing Allah SWT is? If you want to understand the power of Allah SWT. Sayyidina Rasulullah said that the smallest Jannah, the lowest level of Jannah, that the last believer to enter Jannah, whoever that is, will get, is ten times the size of this world. Now one meaning of world could be planet Earth, right? Okay, so ten times planet Earth. That's incredible. But you could even, if you wanted to be scientific, take the meaning of world to be the entire known physical universe. <laughs> so that means, right? Maybe that could also be one meaning. So ten times the size of the entire universe. And if you ever were to look at the description of Jannah in Hadith, that it's got rivers, and it's got marble, and it's got ruby, and it's got gold, and this and that, and there's levels, and then there's genital for those... It would be incredible how Allah Ta'ala designed it. And you know how long it took Allah Ta'ala to design and create it? Not even a fraction of a second. Kun fayakuf. He just said kun, and this incredibly vast, amazing Jannah fayakun came into being instantly. Can you imagine how awesome and powerful and incredible that being is? 
You can create something like that just by saying Kun. Subhanallah wa bihamdi Subhanallah al-Azim. But incredible Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So second difference we were saying was that we put all of our effort into the dunya. And the earlier people, or even today if there are some true Siddiqeen Salihin, they put all of their major effort into the The Akhirah is the be all and end all of their life. The dunya is just a passing ground. That I have to go through this. It's like a transit line. So when you go to the airport and you're waiting for the flight, you're sitting in the lounge. <laughs> and what difference does it make to you? If the lounge is big or it's medium size, if the upholstery is pink or it's blue, does it make any difference to you? If the chair is like this or it's like that? You know, because it's just a lounge, I'm just waiting, I'm going to depart. <laughs> it's guaranteed that my flight will be called and I'm going to depart. It's just like that, it's guaranteed your flight will be called. Guaranteed your flight will be called. You already have visa for day of judgment. Everybody has visa already. Pre-approval. You are going there. Definitely. You are just in the waiting lounge. Allah Akbar. The early people, they used to work for Akhirah. Then some people have this misunderstanding, which I want to clear up. And they say, no, we have to be balanced. Yes, you're right. Deen of Islam teaches us we have to be balanced. But the question is, what is the balance? Balance doesn't mean that the balance between Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Abu Jahl inside is the balance. The midpoint between two extremes. It's not that type of balance. Hmm? Balance would mean between Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Umar. <laughs> that you can call balance. Balance would mean, very simply, that however long you're going to live in this world, you should work for that. And however long you're going to live in Akhirah, you should work for that. Balance is based on proportion. Balance is based on proportion. That's called balance. You do have to live in this world, so you do have to work for it. You do have to. You have to live here, earn here, work here, attain here, accomplish here, achieve here. And you should do that proportion to how long you will do that. And for the Akhirah, you should work in proportion to how long you will be there. Third difference between us and the earlier believers, or the true believers, is that we are focused on our physical self. And they were focused on their spiritual self. What does it mean? So some people say that I work to eat and I eat to work. Or I live to eat and I eat to live. <laughs> It's a cycle, right? And I need to get a better and better. And if I have this accommodation, I need a better house. If I have this car, I need a better car. If I have this phone, I need a better phone. If I have this bag, I need a better bag. If I have this number of shoes, I need more number of shoes. It's always about that, right? Always the physical. And for them, it was about the spiritual. So example we gave earlier today was that your physical nourishment will come from the physical world. Your physical body needs to be nourished from the physical world. Because your physical body was made in this world. Allah SWT taught us in Quran that insan is made from deen, from earth. What does that mean? It means the things, the elements that are in the earth. Calcium, iron, potassium, magnesium, all the vitamins and minerals that you see. That's inside insan. But your ruh was not made in this world. 
Ruh was made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Same thing. <laughs> yes, that same Allah ta'ala who created the angels just by saying kun. That same Allah ta'ala who created the arsh and the kursi just by saying kun. That same Allah ta'ala who created all of Jannah just by saying kun. Allah ta'ala created our ruh in the exact same way just by saying kun. There was no process, father, mother, nothing, no stages. Kun for yukun. Can you imagine how lucky we are <laughs> that we have a ruh that was the murad of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala wanted it to be, He said be, and it became. That's who we are. That's our identity. My existence is something that Allah ta'ala wanted to happen, therefore I exist. This is the answer to the question that <laughs> the philosophers asked. Huh? Why do human beings exist? Allah <laughs> Actually, it's a beautiful answer. We exist because Allah Ta'ala willed and wished for us to exist. You know how happy that should make us? <laughs> right? We are not anonymous. We're not an accident. We're not some probability. Hmm? <laughs> We're not happenstance, circumstance. We exist because Allah Ta'ala willed and wished for us to exist. He said, Kun, then for you, Kun. That's the answer. That's a noble answer. That's what a beautiful understanding of humanity given in Quran, Quranic humanity. Compare that to secular atheistic humanity. Doesn't have any real understanding of what a human being is. But that special ruh, and, and for us, Allah Ta'ala chose us for Iman. When did that happen? So Allah Ta'ala mentions this in Quran. That he gathered all of the rules in Arabic it's called arwah, all of the rules together. Every human rule from Sayyidina Adam Islam until the last human that will ever live until the day of judgment. And then he asked, there was a conversation that took place. And Allah mentions this in Quran. He asked all the rules, Adas to be Rabbikum. Am I not your Rabb? Hmm? Am I not your Rabb? Qalu bala. All of the human rules, every single human rule said to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while looking at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Bala, yes, Allah, you are our And the ulama of tafsir, they write that it was at this moment that Allah ta'ala gave the ruh, the gift of this mind to know Allah ta'ala. Okay, that's why he asked a question. Question and answer. That was the first instruction of knowledge. And second, Allah Ta'ala gave the Ruh the gift to love Allah Subhanahu Wa planted the seed of love for Him. Because at that point when our Ruh said to Allah Ta'ala that yes, you are our Rabb, our Ruh was able to see Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. It was mushahada. It wasn't unseen. It was seen. Did you know you had a peace inside you that has already spoken to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala? Yes, it's the Quran. Inside each and every one of us is that ruh that said bala on that day. But every ruh said bala, even that people who in this world are unbelievers. So what happened with us? At that moment, Allah Ta'ala looked at our ruh, ruh of all mu'mineen, and selected us for iman. You know how lucky we are to get that gaze of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala? Now I'll explain the same thing we'll do. Uswak Allah Ta'ala ne ek nazar shafqat inayat firmai. Ek nazar karam inayat firmai. Ki uswak Allah Ta'ala ne humare rooh ko dekh kar chun liya ki inko ummat-e-mustafa mein se banana. 
کتنا کرم اور فضل اللہ تعالیٰ کا Can you imagine how happy a person would be that he can't even kick the ball? He is lame. His knee doesn't work. And still the captain of the team selects him. How happy would that person be? We are all nothing. We have no capability, no ability, no special feature. Allah Ta'ala selected us for Imam. Hmm? We should be so happy. Allah Ta'ala, I can understand why you selected Bilal for Imam. I can understand why you selected Uthman for Imam. I can understand why you selected Fatima for Imam. Allah Ta'ala, you selected me? Me? Ya Allah? But a Kareem, Rahim, Rab. And then the words Allah Ta'ala used in this question. He could have said, Allah, but am I not Allah? Allah to Malik, am I not the master? He said, Allah to Rabbukum, am I not yours? You understand this? Come in Arabic. Kya me tera Rab nahi? Kya me tera nahi? Ya Allah. Tujhe humara Rab yehi sachta. Rab be Kaaba tumhe sachta hai. رب بلال ہونا تجھے سچنا ہے تو اپنے تعریف کو اس طرح پسند کرتا ہے کہ تو میرا رب ہے Yes. Why cannot we answer to Allah Ta'ala? Allah Ta'ala, when you say that you are Rabbukum, Ana Abdukum, So Allah Ta'ala took the first step in the relationship. Don't think that first I will love Allah Ta'ala, then Allah Ta'ala will love me. No, no, no. Allah Ta'ala first loved us. Allah Ta'ala took the first step. It's up to us to love Him back. Hmm? Why not love that Allah Ta'ala back? Who already loves him. I give you the delivery from Quran. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, Yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunuhum. Those of you know Arabic, no? Yuhibbuhum. First Allah Ta'ala said, Yuhibbuhum. And He, Allah Ta'ala, loves the believers. Wa yuhibbunuhu. And the believers, they love Allah. Ya Allah. <laughs> you are so merciful. You should have first said, Yuhibbunuhu wa yuhibbuhum. First the believers love Allah, then Allah loves believers. Oh, no. Yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbunuhu. 
Allah Ta'ala loves the believers and then the believers love Allah. You're already the beloved of Allah Ta'ala. You want to become his lover or not? That's your choice in this world. Why not love that being who knows how to be true and loyal to love? Why should we go and love those things that are unloyal and love? Hmm? Our deen is a very deep thing. So the early Muslims, they used to give Ghaza to their Ruh. They realized, they felt their Ruh. They felt their Kalb. Kalb in Quran, that's the heart of the Ruh. One is the heart of your body that pumps blood, right? Just like your physical body has a physical heart, your ruh has a spiritual heart. No, the heart of Quran is just No, no, the heart of insan, the heart of insan is called the kalb. The heart of the Quran is Surah Yasin, no doubt. The heart of insan, so the person has a physical heart. Their physical body has a physical heart, and a person don't don't correct. And a person has a spiritual heart. The heart of the ruh is our God. So just like you need to eat and give your physical body nutrition, nutrients, and energy, otherwise you won't have energy. If you don't eat for one day, just see what happens to you. You won't be able to function. You won't be able to think if you're a student. You won't be able to work. If you work, you will find it difficult. So just like that, if you don't give the ruh its riza, its nutrients, the ruh will find it difficult. What is the energy for ruh? That's called ibadah and ida, the worship and obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That gives energy to the ruh. Salah. No, fine. No problem, no problem, inshallah. We accept it, we accept the correction. Inshallah. No, no problem, no problem. Look, you're correct, you're correct. Look, so, don't worry. So, we have to give the result to our ruh. Now see if a person wakes up in the morning and they skip their fajr. Now they have a choice. Before they go to work, so they woke up late, right? So let's say they work up at 7 a.m. And they normally have to leave at 7.30. They had a choice. They could cry over their missed fajr. They could make wudu. And they could immediately make up that fajr. And they'd have to miss their breakfast and then they go to work. What do most people do? They say, no, I can't miss my breakfast. Yes, I'll pray that fajr later. I have, I cannot miss my breakfast. So they don't make qadha then. They wake up, they get ready, they have breakfast instead of making up the fajr, and they go to work. Now, you were right that it's difficult when you miss breakfast. You were right about that. And if you don't take your breakfast, it would have been difficult for you physically in the day. Don't you realize that when you miss your fajr, how difficult it was going to be for you spiritually that day? Don't you realize that also? How weak your ruh is going to be? 
then yes, you will find it difficult to control your gaze. You will find it difficult. Because you went out in the world with a weak rule. <laughs> so the rule needs its vida. It needs its provision, its nourishment. So Allah Ta'ala made perfect deen. It's perfect nutrition in deen <laughs> for the rule. <laughs> That's why deen, if you follow it, is very easy. Like if I gave you some very strong food and told you to lift five kilos, this is very easy for me. <laughs> He's giving me such strong food and I only have to eat five kilos. So Allah Ta'ala gave us strong, strong deen. It's easy to obey Him and worship Him. But we don't take the deen. We don't follow the deen. So this was the difference. Fourth difference is that we also get the ajr, swab, barakah, nur of ibadah. When we fast in Ramadan, then inshallah we will get reward for that. And we will get the nur. Nur means the barakah of that fast. When we pray, we get it also. We also pray and we also fast. They also pray they also fast. What's the difference? The difference is, is that we don't know how to do hifaza of that nur. We don't know how to protect it. We get it and we lose it. We pray asr. We go out. We look at something we shouldn't look at. We lose the nur. Lose it. People go on hajj. They come back. And then they again engage in unlawful business dealing. They lose the nur. So the difference between them and us is they could preserve the nur. So I want you to imagine this like a water tank that is full of water. But what happens, it can be full of water and even you keep putting buckets of water in it. But what if a person puts a hole in it? That's going to happen. <laughs> because of one hole, the water will start leaking out. And then if you put a second hole and a third hole. So the holes we put are called sin. Every time we do a sin, we put a hole. We put a hole in that room. Even we are praying on top of it. It's coming out of the hole. <laughs> it's coming out. Then we did another sin, we did another sin, we did another sin. So the level of nur, barakah doesn't go up. It keeps, we keep putting it in, keeps going up. We keep putting it in, keeps going up. We pray and we sin. And most people say this, that I try to be good, but I also sin. So okay, just know that every time you also sin, you're losing all of the anwarat and barakat of your good deeds. You're putting holes. Early people, they didn't sin. Now imagine like that, when they don't sin, then they get newer from one salah, then the next salah, then the next salah, then one Ramadan, then next Ramadan. They just keep going, 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 going. And that's what Allah Ta'ala described in Quran, Ulaika Mukarrabu. Then they become Mukarra. They become close to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. They kept going, 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 then they become Qurab. Close relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. How come we don't have that? With the same prayers, the same fasting. Do we put holes in it? We put holes in it. So you should think next time that I do something wrong. Not just like that, but I can get away with it. Instantly I will lose what I got in that salah prayer. Instantly. Immediately. Almost like you put a vacuum and you suck the door out of it. Yes, that's what happens. So they did hifadha of the barakat they got from deen. And we don't know how to protect it, we lose it. It's a big difference, right? <laughs> it's a very big difference.
fifth difference is that our decisions that we make, we make our decisions using our akal, and they used to make decisions using their akal. What does it mean? Akal means that I use my mind to the best of my ability, rationally, or maybe not even always rationally, and I make a decision based on what I think. And they used to base a decision on their heart. Heart means what? What Allah Ta'ala wants them to do. And if they were not sure what Allah Ta'ala wants me to do, even then they wouldn't think they would pray Salat al-Istikhara. <laughs> what is real meaning of Salat al-Istikhara? It doesn't mean to say dream. Salat al-Istikhara, the job for this is what we call Melan al-Qalb in Arabic. That your heart would become inclined towards one way or the other. Can you imagine what a wonderful way of life this is? <laughs> that either you have the knowledge and love for Allah Ta'ala, so you know what's pleasing to you, so you just do it. Or if ever you're unsure, you just pray two rakats, you make dua, and Allah Ta'ala will incline your heart. Allah Who says it's not easy? Hmm? Can it be more easier than this? Hmm? That Allah Ta'ala Himself will inspire your heart and incline it towards what is khair. Istikhara means talib khair with what is khair for you. Hmm? It's a powerful deen. It's a beautiful deen. They used to operate on that. And sometimes I've met young men and women that they say, I, uh, I can't do istikhara. They just can't do it. <laughs> Instead, they spend hours and hours thinking and analyzing and making the list of pros and cons. Huh? And analyzing and analyzing and thinking and thinking. Hmm? Difficult. It's a difficult way of life you've chosen. Difficult. <laughs> and even after all the hours of analyzing and thinking, even then they don't know what to do after it. <laughs> they still don't know. Then they make a decision, and then they start second guessing. <laughs> they have no yakin on themselves, so they start second guessing. It's an azab, if you ask me. <laughs> it's a torment. I don't know if I did the right thing. I'm not sure. Maybe I shouldn't. Allah Akbar Allah wants to save you from all of this. You know, it's written in the books of Hadith biography that the Mashaikh Ulama of Bukhara and Samarkand of what we call today Uzbekistan, Central Asia, every day they used to pray Salat al-Istikhara at the time of Ishraq. And just mutlak make niya, Allah Ta'ala, whatever decision I make today, major, minor, put here. Enjoying life. <laughs> every day they would pray two rakat salat al-Istikhara and they would just make niya every decision I take in the next 24 hours. Allah, you put here in it for me. Learn how to reap the sweetness of deen. Learn how to enjoy its fruits. What an enjoyable way of life. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala takes care of my decisions every day by inspiring me. Yes, that's the power of Allah put in deen. Don't make use of it. Next difference is that people today think that deen can sometimes be modified and reformed. Maybe it's different because I'm in Copenhagen. Maybe it's different because I'm in 2013. Surely Allah Ta'ala must take into account circumstances and environment and surroundings and culture and society. Surely. So you made Allah Ta'ala into a social scientist. Huh? 
early Muslims realized that no, deen is absolute, is universal, is unchanging. Surely it is I that can change. Today people think that I'm sure the deen will be flexible in some way. But the early people said, no, I'm flexible. I will bend to the deen. I will mold myself to deen. I will adapt myself to deen. People today, oh, this thing of deen looks really difficult. I don't know. People earlier... It looks really difficult for me to change, but I will make mujahada. I will make that effort to change myself for Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala put barakah in it. And my stubborn, unyielding nafs, which looks like it's like the most rigid thing in the world, if I make niyat and I try, Allah Ta'ala will make it. It's a difference. <laughs> it's a big difference. Even the English word reform will tell you, reform comes from reformulate. You only reformulate something when there's a problem with the original formula. <laughs> That's the only reason you would ever reformulate anything. Alhamdulillah, there's no problem in the original formula of deen. <laughs> there's never any need to reform it. Even in this world, coke is so sacred that the original formula of coke has not been reformed to this day. Allah hmm? Akbar. <laughs> We can stick to original coke, but we don't want original deen. It's a difference. That's a difference. Next difference between us and them. So I want you to understand this term Salaf Salihin. It's not some academic thing. This is what it means. <laughs> Who are Salihin? And by the way, you should know also from Quran that Salihin will exist until Yomidhi. It's a word in the Qur'an, Salihin, Siddiqeen, Awliya. And everything in Qur'an will be living reality until Yomidin. They will always be Siddiqeen. It's not just confined to the first three generations. They had the most Salihin and Siddiqeen and Awliya. It's not confined to them. There's no understanding of deen that says that. It's against the understanding of Qur'an. That I'll explain to you next. But the last difference between us and them is that whenever we do something... <coughs> What do we say? Say, I did it. I researched it. I won. I passed. Whenever they did something, Allah Ta'ala gave me tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala helped me do it. Allah Ta'ala gave me the job. Hmm? And in this age, it's even worse. When the young man goes for the interview, huh? and if he doesn't get it, the job, he says, oh, Allah Ta'ala must have not wanted me to get the job. Hmm? And when he gets the job, oh, I got the job. When he gets it, I got the job. I gave such incredible answers. Well, they had no choice but to hire me. They had no choice. But that's what they say. They had no choice but to hire me. And when he doesn't get the job, he doesn't say, they had no choice but to fail me. No, Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala. Allah Akbar. Not like that. I have no ability, no possibility without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They always said that. And Allah ta'ala loves this. Yes, Allah ta'ala loves humility. 
humility. Some muhaddithin say that humility is the master attribute of Sayyidina Rasulullah. His greatest attribute was his greatest humility. And if you think about it, yes, right? Today a person is a little alim, he gets all, right? Imagine being a Nabi and being the greatest Nabi and the greatest of creation. Hmm? But Sayyidina Rasulullah didn't feel any of that. He didn't feel any of that. That I am Prophet, I am the greatest Prophet, last Prophet, final Prophet. He was that, but I'm saying he didn't make him feel any arrogance or anything like that. Can you imagine? See, imagine like today the greatest sports person being humble. Very difficult, right? The greatest student being humble. He was the greatest prophet, the greatest of all of creation, and he had the greatest humility. Most humble human in all of humanity. Sayyidina Rasulullah It's amazing. Amazing. Allah Ta'ala loves this humility. You see, one is this sunnah. Maybe I also explain that to you. <laughs> yes. There are two sunnahs. One is the outward apparent sunnah, the zahir sunnah. That's this, this, many things. And one is the batin sunnah, the inner sunnah. The inner sunnah is the real sunnah. Inner sunnah is the real sunnah. What does inner sunnah mean? To have the sunnah, adab, and akhlaq of the Prophet. And even more than that, to have the sunnah feelings for Allah Ta'ala that the Prophet did. That's also sunnah. To love Allah Ta'ala the way the Prophet loved Allah Ta'ala. To fear Allah Ta'ala the way the Prophet feared Allah Ta'ala. To have kindness and compassion and fikr for the Ummah. The way Sayyidina Rasulullah had kindness and fikr for the Ummah. This is the inner sunnah. Now obviously, technically it's impossible for us to be like the Prophet But Allah Ta'ala said in Qur'an, لَكَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ That you have in for you, in the example of the Prophet in the Prophet a beautiful and noble example. So Allah Ta'ala has told us that's the target. What does it mean? Allah Ta'ala set the target at A+. Plus. It cannot be D or C or B. The target is A+. Plus. So that's the real sunnah. But you have to have both. Why? Allah Ta'ala has made a rabt between zahir and batin and deen. Even in his asmal husna, al-zahir and al-batin. Look at Ramadan. You're going to outward, that's an outward act. Staying away from food and drink and lawful relations if you're married. But what do you get? That's batin. That's something interior. Your mind can never understand this. That I'm going to stay away from food and drink and get taqwa. Allah Ta'ala says yes. It's a relationship. So the zahir and the batin, they go together. And the truth is that this is easier. This is more difficult. So everywhere in the world, you always do what's within your reach first. Once you do what's within your reach, Allah Ta'ala puts what's out of your reach in your reach. That's why our mashayik and ulama, especially from our tradition, they put so much emphasis on sunnah. And many times some of our other friends, they don't understand. Right? And so much so, even sometimes they say one sentence which I find very dangerous and very, very dangerous. And what do they say? And they say, brother, and normally they're the ones who call me brother. They say, brother, it's only sunnah. It's only sunnah. Ya Allah. This is not the correct statement. (laughs) 
Now let me actually tell you the reality. I'm going to unpack the statement for you. When anybody says the sentence, it's only Sunnah, it means it's only our Nabi. Astaghfirullah. Hmm? And you shouldn't tell me that. You should go to Medina Manorah, go to Masjid Nabi, and say no, cannot hear you anywhere in the world, except for right there. That's Ijma'ab ulama ahlusinabal jama'ah, including Ibn Taymiyyah, Rimullah, and Ibn Taymiyyah, Jazeera, I'm telling you. The same is going to hear when the person says salam at the Raza. You go to Raza and tell the Prophet yourself. It's your relationship with your Prophet. Tell him it's only Sunnah. That's not, that's not what it means to accept somebody as a Prophet. <laughs> you see, there's Ashadun la ilaha illallah and there's Ashadun la Muhammadan abduhu wa rasulah. We have made a second part of Iman because we have accepted him as our Nabi. How can we say that it's only Sunnah? <laughs> sunnah is everything. <laughs> sunnah is everything for us. Let me explain to you another way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the master architect. If you see an architect in this world, and he tells you that, oh, this is the masterpiece of my design. What does it mean? He means I designed that building inside and outside. That's what it means. He will say every light, every bulb, every fixture I designed. Just like that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the sunnah and designed the sunnah of the Prophet Everything is sunnah, outside and inside. Both of it is designed by Allah ta'ala. It's all sunnah. There's no difference. It's all sunnah. And it's the most incredible thing Allah Ta'ala has designed. Much more incredible than the black hole, than the galaxy, than the human physiology, than the atom, than the subatomic particle. Infinitely more incredible than that is the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah And I will also tell you that the outside does matter. I'll give you a very simple example. If your car is outside and I take a knife and I scratch your car, will you be angry? And if I say to your brother, it's okay, the engine is fine, <laughs> the asal is fine, it's just the outside I scratched. Would you accept this explanation from me? <laughs> no, right? <laughs> you would say, no, no, I know the engine is the most important thing, but you scratched my car. <laughs> So why do you want to scratch the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah You have to have the engine. No? The engine is more valuable. Why do you want to scratch? Hmm? Why do you want to scratch? You understand? Alright. Now, differences between us and Siddiqeen and Salihin. Next. From Quran. From Surah Al-Fatih. You will get a very big lesson. And what is that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran and Surah Fatah, what is the first dua? He teaches us to make ihdina, dua for hidayah. First dua mentioned in Quran and the most repeated dua of every moment because we all say Fatah and we pray. Right? So it means hidayah is the biggest thing we need from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now how did Allah ta'ala teach us this dua? Allah Ta'ala guide me to a path. Just Allah Ta'ala's ahkum al-hakimin, He chooses His words. It means that hidayah is not going to be a moment of hidayah. No. It's a whole path. There will be steps on that path. There will be a process on the path. There will be a journey on the path. Then, Siratul Ladina 
an'amta alayhim. What does it mean? It means it is a path of people. This is another misconception people have today. That, oh, I don't follow anyone. I only follow the words of Qur'an and the words of Hadith. Actually going against Qur'an. <laughs> Every day Allah is telling you to make dawn Surah Al-Fatiha. Guide me to a path that is straight. And that is a path, Siratul Ladina An'amta Alayhim. A path of people. Those people who Allah Ta'ala, you have blessed those people, guide me to the path of those people. So how can you come up with the philosophy of Islam that says you don't need people, you just need books? <laughs> when in Fatiha every day you're begging Allah Ta'ala to guide us to people. Who are those people who Allah Ta'ala has blessed? Allah Ta'ala is explained in Quran. In another place in Quran, Alladina Allah. That they're the ones who Allah Ta'ala, same words, Allah Dina exact same words. Who are they? Nabiyeen, Siddiqeen, Shuhada, and Salihin. Four types of people. The Prophets, the Siddiqeen, the true followers of the Prophets, the Shuhada, the martyrs, and the Salihin, the righteous, pious believers. So it means that our Hidayah will not be complete until we follow Quran and we follow Sunnah and we follow Siddiqeen and we follow Shuhada and we follow Salihin because that's the way Allah Ta'ala has taught Hidayah and Quran to be completely rightly guided we have to have all of these things so even today there are people like this and even today everyone can become such a person the Quran is an invitation to all of humanity to become Salihin and Siddiqin. Nobody can become Nabeen now, right? So that's why I'm mentioning that first category. Invitation to everyone to become Salihin and Siddiqin. Let me explain. Sayyidina Rasulullah said in hadith, An-Nasu Ma'adin That human beings are like mines. You know, gold mine, copper mine, silver mine, right? What does it mean? That Allah Ta'ala has put potential inside the human being. But they have to extract their potential. They have to do something to extract their potential. What is the real potential that Allah Ta'ala has put in a human being? You will see, for example, many times in education, people get sad when human beings don't realize their potential, right? And when they go to Africa and other poor areas of the world, they'll say that, oh, it's such a shame. Who knows how many potential Einsteins there were in this village, but they never got a chance for education. And they're right, it's a shame that they weren't able to realize that potential. But there's another potential. Who knows how many awliyaullah are in this ummah, potentially, but they never realize their potential. Can you imagine what a tragedy that is? How many Mufassireen could have been potentially, but they never realized that potential? How many Muhaddisin they could have been potentially, but they never realized that potential? How sad is that? So, Imam al-Rabbani, Shaykh Ahmed Sirhindi Nathai explained this in a beautiful way. That Allah Ta'ala has put the seed in every person. But you see in this world, a seed needs water, it needs sunlight, it needs fertilizer, it needs nutrients, it needs to be protected from rot, protected from pest, protected from disease. If it gets all of those things, then the seed will become a seedling, sapling tree and will have beautiful flowers and fruit from which many seeds come. 
But if the seed doesn't get any of these things, it doesn't get water, sunlight, nutrients, it won't be able to grow. Just like that, Allah Ta'ala has put the seed. Whenever anybody has iman, they have a seed in their heart. And that is the seed of taqwa and wilaya. The seed of marafat and qurub with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they need the favorable environment. They need the water and the nutrients. Simply speaking, what does it mean? I'll tell you honestly, not every one of you in this room, men and women, not every one of you could become Einstein. <laughs> not every one of you is intelligent enough to become the best in whatever your field is. But every single mu'min, every single woman and man here today, and every mu'min has the potential to become the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everyone. Every single mu'min has that potential. It's just a question whether you want to unlock that potential or not. If you want to make that effort or not. That's the only question. Allahu Akbar means that we have a real powerful deen inside of us. The problem with the men is that they like to stay boys. This is what I call late onset teen syndrome. <laughs> they're in their 20s, they still act like they're teenager. They're in their 30s, they still like they act like they're teenager. Instead of spending time with their wife and children, they still want to hang out with the guys. Hmm? They're just like hanging out, hanging out, hanging out. I don't know, these are my New York English, if the people in Denmark are understanding or not. Hmm? It's a problem. It's a big problem. So the man has to mature. Your wife is the love of your life. If Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with a Muslim wife, huh? what in the world do you need to look at these other beauties? I'll give you a very good one. You have one mother, right? There are women in the world who are more beautiful than your mother. You will never wish that she was your mother. There are women in the world who are better cooks than your mother. You will never wish that any one of them was your mother. There are women in the world who may be better at keeping the home than your mother. You will never wish that one of them was your mother. Never! But it should be the same like that with your wife. Yes. You have to become more mature. What we say in Urdu, Mardi Mu'min. When Allah Ta'ala says in Arabic, Rijalullah. Allah Akbar. Rijalullah la tulhihim tijaratun malabayun an zikrillah. They are so steadfast in their iman, so mature in their iman, that nothing can distract them from the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's called manhood. You underestimated the power of deen. It's very powerful. Very powerful. So I'll give you an example. Imagine if there's some 80-year-old grandma and I put her in a Ferrari. Huh? Now 80-year-old grandma is going to be driving at what, 30, 40 miles an hour. Right? And if you were to see that, you would say, oh, what are you doing? Put me in that seat, I'll show you what this Ferrari can do. Right? But just like that, you are like 80-year-old grandma driving your Iman, which Allah Ta'ala has made infinitely more like a Ferrari. Why don't you give it some chance to show you what it can do? It's deen ki khilari bana. Phir maza 
You have to unlock the power that is in this thing. But to do that, you need that knowledge and you need that love. You need that ilm and you need that ishq, mahabba. Knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then you will see the power that is in our deen. And this effort that creates this knowledge and love, this is called tazhi. Tazhiyatun nafs, tazhiyatun qalb. How to discipline our nafs and how to purify and develop our heart. This is the thing that is keeping us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our nafs and our heart. And you should know that good attributes will never come on their own. And the bad attributes will never leave on their own. Even you may make intention. But it's a habit. You may make me, I'm not going to lie again. Within a few days you will lie. You may make me, I will not misuse my gaze again. Within a few days you will do it again. It's become an ada. It's become habitually ingrained in us. So when something is deep stain, you have to do deep cleaning. You have to do a lot of scrubbing, right? To get that deep stain. That scrubbing, that is called tazkiyah. That's in Quran. That indeed successful will be that person who cleanses their nafs. Who does tazkiyah of their nafs. You have to apply the soap and water of Quran and sunnah and scrub and see what happens. Everything is possible. Anything and everything is possible. There is no sin that is so great that Allah Ta'ala can't forgive it. There is no sinner who is so great that Allah Ta'ala cannot forgive him in this world. Even what Allah Ta'ala said in Quran that I forgive everything except shirk, that's for the day of judgment. In this world a person can make tawbah from shirk. So many people do it except Islam. In this world, shirk, kufr, nifaq, even that you can make tawbah from. And Allah Ta'ala will forgive it. Allah Everything. Everything. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who does the true tazkiyah of people. Um, there are many things to say. And I was, to be honest with you, I wasn't sure what exactly I should tell you. So how can I explain it to you like this? You see, in all of our Muslim cultures, whether Yemeni or Pakistani or Somali or wherever, there's a lot of ikram when you host a guest, right? And if you get somebody who's a guest for just one night, then you don't know what should I cook, and you want that I should cook everything and put it in front of them. So actually, you may not understand. You may think I'm the guest and you're the host. No, no, no. I'm the host. <laughs> you're the guest. And I have some guests in front of me and I don't know if I will ever see them again. So I want to feed them everything. But at the same time I know that how much can they eat in one night? Hmm? <laughs> now I'll explain the same thing in Urdu. That we want to eat who knows when I will ever see any one of you ever again and whether you will ever see me again. Allahu Akbar. So, what I want to do then is fast forward and just give you some practical tips for Shaban and Ramadan, what's left of Shaban and Ramadan, 
and then end by talking to you about the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The tips are very quickly. In the remaining few days of Shaban, which are very few now, very few days left, you should try to spend it preparing for Ramadan. How? Number one, that you should take care of everything that you have to do now. You should already start telling people, I'll do it after Ramadan. I'll see you after Ramadan. We'll talk about it after Ramadan. The more you say it, the more you will feel it. You should create this awareness in your home. Now this incredible month is coming. And we are booked. Allah Ta'ala has booked us for His worship and remembrance in Ramadan. Now whatever is going to happen, if I can get it done in the next few days, I'll get it done. Otherwise, after Ramadan. After Ramadan. After Ramadan. After Ramadan. Free up your schedule. If you're a student, do all your studying now. and Do it in Shawal. Try to do less in Ramadan. If there's some project you have to do at work, get it done now. If you can't get it done now, get it as much done, then tell them the rest I'll do after Ramadan. Free yourself up practically in this month of Ramadan. View yourself as booked in this month. Second thing is that you should start like today and other gatherings. I don't know what happened in the city or country or you listen to online talks, pre-recorded talks. But start getting in the fikr of akhirah, fikr of deen mode. Start getting those concerns, those worries in your heart. So that when you enter Ramadan, you enter in a state of real fikr and what we call gham. Real heartfelt concern for your akhirah and for your deen. Third, you should try to get good company and stay away from the bad company. A bad company doesn't mean that you should view yourself as better than them. Bad company means that you should view yourself as weaker than them. Because you're weaker than them and worse than them, you have to protect them from you. And good company means anybody who is better in deen than I am, that's good company. Anybody who's more interested in Allah's fountain than I am, that is good company. Then in the month of Ramadan, a few things you should try to do. First thing is that you should eat less in the month of Ramadan. Eat less means that when you eat, obviously you will be fasting, but from Maghrib to Fajr, the amount you eat should be less than you normally eat in any other 24 hours. As opposed to Ramadan being the month of craving, Ramadan being the month of delicacy, Ramadan being the month of, and especially for Pakistanis, Oh, ghee wala iftar, oh, or masala wala khana. Hmm? That you eat so much that you just feel like you cannot do any worship. You should think that all day you are in training. You have fasted to train. At night you should enjoy taraweeh. You fasted all day to enjoy this taraweeh. You don't want to spoil that. Because other than Ramadan, you're never going to stand one hour, two hour in prayer. It's never going to happen. Look in your past year. Did you ever stand like that for 20 rakats or however you pray for one hour or two hours? Never did you do it all year round. Right? This, you trained yourself all day. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Second, you should free up the women also for worship in this month. This is not the month for the women to be in the kitchen. This is a great zulm, a great impression on women. Yes, sometimes to make the children happy, there's a new child who's fasting. Certainly, there's no harm in 
eating some of the favorite foods, but it should not be undue so much extra time in the kitchen. Ideally, a woman's time in the kitchen in Ramadan should be slightly less than it is outside Ramadan. It should be less. Everything of our dunya should be less so that our deen can become more. Third, is that you should increase in your ibadah in this month of Ramadan. Everything should show an increase. Even if it's small, a little bit more nafil, a little bit more recitation of Quran, a little bit more istighfar, a little bit more dhikr, a little bit more salawat and durud, a little bit more dua. Whatever you're doing, whatever your pre-Ramadan level was, increase it a little bit. Show Allah Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala may koi mariban de mu'minayu. Aapne jo itne anwarat barakat nazal karen is meinay mein, maybe un anwarat ke labayk kehna. Main itna labayk shayad nahi keh sakta, jitna kehna chahiye, magar mein hazir. In English it means that, O Allah I am not just somebody who worships you out of habit or out of force. No. I understand that you are putting some special mercies and blessings in this month of Ramadan. And I'm going to show up for them. I may not be able to show up for all of them. I may not be able to get all of them, but I'm showing up. I'm also going to increase. If you are increasing your mercy in Ramadan, I'm also going to increase my effort in Ramadan. Two-way relationship. Two-way relationship. Next, is you should make sure to make dua at the time of kubuli to dua when the Prophet has told us Allah Ta'ala accepts dua, that is the time of suhoor, the time of iftar, and laylatul qadr. You should think that in Ramadan you get 60 blank checks. 30 blank checks, one a day for suhoor, and 30 blank checks, one a day for iftar, and whatever you write on it, Allah Ta'ala will give it to you. That's how you should view it. And again, people spend too much time on the eating part. So what you should do in suhoor, you should wake up. And you have to wake up and do two things. You need to eat. It's also sunnah and it's sawab to eat at this time. So you should eat. And then at the end, at least 5, 10, 15 minutes before sunrise, you should try to make some tahajjud, some dua, some istighfar. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because this is a very special time. And all of us know that, that most of the year, most people aren't able to wake up for tahajjud. But, <laughs> but for the sake of eating, they are now awake at this special time. So you should think that, okay, I didn't get this That I'm getting this special time where Allah Ta'ala accepts du'as the last third of the night, which I never got before. To make du'a feel that time. You just have to try to reach out. You will feel the spiritual blessings of that time. Same thing for iftar. The second you hear the adhan from Maghrib, first make du'a. First break your fast with date and water and make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can be one minute, two minutes, right? But this is a time when Allah Ta'ala accepts our du'as. Laylatul Qadr. This much we can say from Sahih Adith that it's either 21st, 23rd, 25th, 27th, 29th. Five options. So you should be happy. You shouldn't insist that it's only the 27th. You should be happy. Yes, you should look for Laylatul Qadr five nights. Which is not necessary. It would be wonderful if you worship the whole night. But technically it's not necessary. Even if you make one dua, 
for one minute on each of those five nights, you got Laylatul Qadr. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. You can say, I made dua on Laylatul Qadr. Guaranteed. I don't know which one it was, but on all five nights, I made this dua. And what dua should you make? Let me make that clear also. So this I will explain. Tell them I will explain it first in English. That it's 100% permissible and recommended also that you make dua for whatever you want in the world. For a better job, for a wife, for a husband, if you have a husband, for him to have better behavior towards you, if you have a wife, for her to have better behavior towards you, for children, or if you have children, for their better behavior towards you, if you're a parent, for your better behavior towards the children, for barakah on your health, barakah on your wealth, make all of these du'as. But you should also make du'a to Allah Ta'ala for your deen, for your akhirah. Allah Ta'ala grant me taqwa, grant me ikhlas, grant me that power to lower my gaze which I don't have. <laughs> because when you ask all-powerful Allah, what you really ask for in du'a is things that you can't get yourself. That's the miracle of prayer, right? That's the power of prayer, to get something that I can't get myself. I could make du'a for a piece of paper, but I normally never made du'a to Allah Ta'ala grant me a piece of paper. Why? Because I have a piece of paper in my house. That also Allah Ta'ala gave me, right? But because it was in my ability. The special power of du'a is to make du'a for those things that are out of your ability. Right? So if you say that in my year being regular in Fajr was out of my ability, make du'a for it. If you say lowering my gaze was out of my ability, make du'a for it. If you say controlling my anger or controlling my backbiting, controlling my jealousy for my fellow Muslims was out of my behavior, out of my ability, make du'a for it. And biggest du'a is to ask Allah Ta'ala for Himself. Allah Ta'ala tonight on Laylatul Qadr, what I beg from you is you. I want you. I want to be close to you. I want to be true to you. I want to be loyal to you. I want to be loving to you. I'll explain this in one or two sentences in Urdu. Aaj baat log jo Allah Ta'ala se gaadi maangte, rizq maangte, biwi maangte, بچے مانگتے صحت مانگتے سب مانگنے چاہیے مگر وہ کہاں وہ لوگ چلیں گے کہ وہ اللہ تعالیٰ سے اللہ ہی مانگتے ہیں کہ اللہ تعالیٰ میں آپ سے آپ ہی چاہتا ہوں آپ کو خوب چاہتا ہوں آپ کو محبت چاہتا ہوں آپ کو ڈر چاہتا ہوں میں تو بے بس ہوں میرے دل تو خالی ہے میرے دل تو مردہ ہے نہ مجھے نماز میں رونا آتا ہے نہ قرآن میں رونا آتا ہے نہ گناہ دیکھ کر کانپنا آتا ہے اللہ تعالیٰ مجھے یہ تقوا نصیب فرمائے مجھے اپنا قرب عطا فرمائے سیف سن کا محبت عطا فرمائے یہ بھی مانگنے کی چیز ہے نا آپ تمام دنیا کے جائز نعمتیں مانگیں اللہ سے کبھی یہ بھی دعو لگائے نا میں آپ سے آپ بھی مانگتا ہوں اور کبھی یہ بھی دعا ہونے چاہیے کہ اللہ آج میں کوئی اور چیز نہیں مانگ رہا اس دعا میں پہلے بھی بہت اور چیزیں مانگیے بعد میں بھی مانگوں گا آج اللہ تعالیٰ آج فقط میں آپ کے سوال اللہ تعالیٰ Don't be content. You say, okay, my heart doesn't shake with fear. Okay, ask Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala, give me a heart that shakes with fear every time I think of sin, so I get so scared, I never go near that. 
You say, my heart doesn't feel anything in prayer. Ask him, Abdullah. Allah Ta'ala, make me such a person that every single sajda I feel good with you. Ask, beg from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. In every suhoor, in every iftar, and on all five possible nights of Layl Al-Qadr. Don't miss these opportunities. And especially, don't sin at any of these times. Just like it is more sawab. You see, there's some special places. Allah Ta'ala has put, And some special times. So can you imagine if somebody sinned right in front of the Kaaba? That would be much worse than if somebody sinned somewhere else. Right? Just like that, if you sin on the nights of Ramadan, Allahu Akbar Kabira. It's much worse sin than if you sin some other time of the year. So that brings us to the next point in Ramadan. You must leave sin. You must target each and every sin and beg Allah Ta'ala to get it out of your life. And you must increase on your amal on the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah in this month of Ramadan. Just make near Allah Ta'ala this, this sunnah I want to start in Ramadan. If it's a woman, I want to start hijab in Ramadan. If she does hijab, I want to start abaya jilbab Ramadan. If she does hijab and jilbab, I want to start niqab in Ramadan. The only thing I would say to the women is that you should never get into this issue as what do I absolutely have to do. No, say what's better for me to do. It's not a question of is niqab fard or not. Don't even think about it that way. Because that's not, the, that's not called a loving relationship. You wouldn't like it if your husband said, that, am I required to do this? <laughs> everything, if everything you wanted him to do, he responds, is it required? You would say, fine, maybe it's not required. <laughs> but you should have love for me. You should want to do more than what's required. That's called a loving relationship. Right? So our deen, there's no philosophy of deen that says you only have to do what's required. There's no philosophy like that. Deen means that you should do your absolute best to do what will make you better and better and best in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa And there's no debate on that. That niqab will make a woman more beautiful and better in the eyes of Allah subhanahu So once that's guaranteed, what difference does it make to you whether it's required or not? Hmm? If I tell you there's something that will make Allah ta'ala love you more. Can the answer be, but it's not required? <laughs> if, the, if the wife says that to the husband, husband says that to the wife, right? Wife says to the husband, look, if you do this for me, I'll love you more. Husband says, is it required by Sharia? I've looked in the books of fiqh, and these, these, these are the response requirements of the husband, and I'm fulfilling my requirements. Don't you have food? Don't you have a house? Don't you have clothing? I'm fulfilling your requirements. I only do what is required. Will the wife say that that's a loving husband? <laughs> No, that's not how relationships work. No relationship works like that, that I only do what's required of me. That's a business relationship. That's a relationship. That's a heartless relationship. Heartless. Heartless. That I only do what's required. Heartfelt? Honey, I'll do whatever you tell me. That's what you want your husband to say to you. Husband will say that to you. The day you tell Allah, 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 I'll do whatever you want. If you like it slightly, I will do it. If you like it a lot, I will do it. If you love it, I will do it. If you require it, I will do it. If you recommend it, I will do it. If you suggest it, I will do it. Because I love you. That's called love. 
Love doesn't just mean to follow the requirements of the beloved. Love means to follow even the ishara of the beloved. Even just in the slight indication of the beloved. That's called love. So, love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most important feeling. Love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That would take too long to explain to you, but very briefly. Even the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a fear born out of love. It's not a fear separate from love. It's not a fear independent of love. It's a fear born out of love. What does it mean? Khashiyya. Does it mean we're afraid of Allah Ta'ala because Allah Ta'ala is scary? Like we're afraid of a scorpion and a snake? No, that's not the type of fear we have. The fear we have of Allah Ta'ala is, Allah Ta'ala, you love me so much. I'm afraid of disappointing. I'm too embarrassed. I'm terrified that how could I betray such a kind and loving and merciful love? This is my greatest fear. And that's true. Every lover has this fear that I will be a disappointment to my beloved. If a person has true love, what's their greatest fear? That I will become a disappointment to my beloved. And what does that mean? Greatest fear is that my beloved won't love me back. That's the fear that's born out of love. That's the type of fear we have for Allah SWT. So the fear and love go together. Fear and love go together. If you have love and no fear, no good. If you have fear, no love, no good. You have to have love and fear for Allah SWT. They go together. So now the big question, how can I get love for Allah SWT? How can I get this love? That Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ that those who have iman are extremely intense in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mad, passionate lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's who are believers. Deep lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ashad. Ashad hubban lillah. Subhanallah. What a beautiful way of life. Hmm? To live one's life like the lover of Allah ta'ala in this world. And then to live in Jannah forever like the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Islam came to teach humanity. Allahu Akbar. So to increase in our love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, first step is that you have to know Allah ta'ala more in order to love Him more. The more you know Him, the more you will love Him. When you read Quran, you will know Allah ta'ala more. When you understand Qur'an from ulama, you will love Allah Ta'ala more. When you learn more of those asmal husna that we talked about earlier, you will love Allah Ta'ala more. When you learn from the Qur'an and the hadith about Allah Ta'ala's mercy, you will start loving Him more. And we have to do it daily. Really, every day. There should be some lessons in our masjid or our home about Allah Ta'ala. That's it. Hamesha logo just Allah ki baat no need to get involved in anything else. Just about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The more you know Him, the more you will love Him. Second, the more you remember Him, the more you will love Him. Remembrance in our deen, that is called dhikr. And just like Allah ta'ala said that we have to love Him intensely, what did He say about dhikr? Ya ayyuhalladheena amunudhkurullaha dhikran kathira. That you must remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a lot. A lot. 
Why? Because a little zikr won't help you. In fact, Allah Ta'ala said about munafiqeen inside their salah, وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا They have zikr They remember Allah a little bit. That's the description of the hypocrites in Quran. So we have to remember Allah Ta'ala a lot. And you know, Allah Ta'ala commanded many things in Quran. He didn't use the word kathir except for zikr. He told us to have sabr, didn't use the word kathir. He told us to have shukr, didn't use the word kathir. When he said make zikr, he said you must do it kathir. You must remember Allah Ta'ala a lot. How much? All the time. Yes. Comes in Quran, يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَقُعُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ They remember Allah standing, sitting, lying down. Means all the time. How to remember Allah Ta'ala all the time. So there's one way to remember Allah Ta'ala inside worship. And there's one way to remember Allah outside ibadah. When you're in the market with family in the university. How to remember Allah Ta'ala inside worship. I'll give you one way to fix your salah. This is a whole separate topic. I will just give you one step for today. If you want to fix your salah, fix your sajda. Fix your sajda. Because sajda is that place where you will get the most of the closest to Allah subhanahu ta'ala. So isn't it amazing that me and you can do a sajda and we don't feel anything? You know if a person eat, eats something and their tongue cannot feel whether it's hot or cold, whether it's sweet or sour, they will panic. And they will go to a doctor. And they will tell the doctor that my tongue doesn't feel anything. And if the doctor says, no, don't worry, mashallah, your heart is fine, your liver is fine, your kidneys are fine. He'll say, no, 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 my tongue cannot feel. I had chocolate ice cream and I couldn't feel that it was cold and I couldn't feel that it was sweet and I couldn't taste the chocolate. So you would panic. So how come we're not panicking? We're going to sadda. We are in wudu. We are in ibadah. We are in the masjid and still we don't feel anything. We should have gone immediately to some alim, to some shaykh and said, there's something wrong with me. We didn't do it. To fix your sajda easy way. How to fix the sajda? Just fix the sentence that you say. It's a beautiful sentence. Subhan rabbi al-a'la. What does it mean? Subhan means that Allah Ta'ala is amazing. Short translation. Means Allah Ta'ala is so amazing, He has every single wonder and perfection, and He is free from every possibility, even of flaw and defect. Subhan Allah is amazing. So you should feel, just try to feel those words in sajda. Subhanallah, Allah is amazing. Subhana, Allah is amazing. <coughs> Rabbi, and that amazing Allah Ta'ala, Rabbi, He's mine. He's my love. That's a feeling of joy you should have in sajda. You know, if you walk home and you have an amazing microwave, so she gets happy when she sees her new kitchen. Because it's mine. She gets happy. <laughs> right? If something amazing is mine, I get happy. But that's what the feeling of sajda is. Subhan Rabbi. That amazing Allah, Subhan Rabbi, is my love. You should feel it. This is a gift from Allah Ta'ala. That He wants you to feel that He is mine. Al-A'la. That exalted one. Again, similar to Subhan. Right? That my Rabb is Al-A'la. Kisi ko A'la gadi ho, kitni khushi hai. Kisi ko A'la mukaan ho, kitni khushi hoti hai. 
جس کو اللہ اس کا رب ہے اس کی کتنی خوشی ہونی چاہیے Allah Ta'ala didn't teach us that. He could have taught us this, Subhan al-Rabb al-Ala. Subhan al-Rabb al-Ala. That could have also been the sentence, no? Subhan al-Rabbi, my Rabb. Even I would say this, if you can learn to feel even one letter, this letter Ya, which is after the word Rabb in Rabbi, even if you could just feel that mind, if you just get that feeling instead of that mind, mind, my Rabb, mind, Even if you just feel that feeling that Allah Ta'ala is mine, you will get the feeling of sajda. And then you will start getting the feeling back in your salah. And when you pray alone, sometimes you should make this near that when you go in sajda, that I'm not going to lift my head up from this sajda until I get this feeling. And believe me, it won't be long. <laughs> you haven't tried. You haven't done any digging. You start digging, you will see the gold that is in this salah. You haven't dug to say, I'm going 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 to say, very quickly you will feel it. So this is one way to increase your remembrance of Allah Ta'ala inside Ibadah. Okay? Now I'll give you one way to increase your remembrance of Allah Ta'ala outside Ibadah. How to increase your remembrance of Allah Ta'ala outside Ibadah. It's another big problem. Because the reason we sin is because we forgot Allah Ta'ala. Right? Anytime somebody sins, you ask them that when you sinned, were you remembering Allah? <laughs> I forgot Allah. I forgot Kitabullah. I forgot Rasulullah Obviously then you couldn't remember to be Abdullah. <laughs> you cannot remember to be Abdullah when you've forgotten Allah. So it's very, we must learn how to remember Allah Ta'ala outside Ibadah. The way you remember Allah Ta'ala outside Ibadah is also very easy. You just have to remind your heart to remember Him. No particular method of zikr. Just remind your heart to remember. What does it mean to remember? To feel a feeling for Allah Ta'ala. It can be feeling of shukr, a feeling of, a feeling of thanks, a feeling of tawakkul, feeling of trust, reliance, dependence, feeling of love, feeling of fear, feeling of hope. Just remind your heart to feel some feeling. And then go back to whatever you're doing. Go back to a worldly activity. And then again check. And if you see my heart again became empty, again feel some feeling. And then go again go back to activity. And you have to do this thousands of times a day. In the beginning, yes. Because you will find every time I check my heart, my heart is empty of feelings for Allah Ta'ala. So keep checking it, keep feeling, keep feeling, keep feeling. Within a few weeks, if you do this, practice of zikr. Within a few weeks, you will find that my heart is now on its own remembering Allah Ta'ala. Then what will happen? Then instead of you reminding your heart to remember Allah Ta'ala, when your heart remembers Allah Ta'ala, it will remind you. If you're about to look up, your heart will remind you, Allah, you will look down. If you're about to get angry with someone, your heart will remind you, Allah, you will bite your tongue. If you're about to feel some feeling of arrogance, your heart will remind you, Allah, all praise to Allah Ta'ala. Start reminding your heart to remember Allah Ta'ala. Eventually your heart will remind you. So these were two ways we mentioned today. How to increase in your love for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. The last thing is you should want it. You have to make dua for it. So that is how we can end tonight. 
And we can end tonight by doing Toba and by doing Dua. These are two instant methods Allah Ta'ala has put in deen. Toba means that you make Nia in your heart. That Allah Ta'ala, I ask your forgiveness for all of the sins I ever did in the past and I never ever want to repeat them again. And in the future, I want to live my life in a way that is pleasing to you and following the sunnah of your beloved messenger sallallahu Everybody should make niyat of this tawbah. And then we make dua. So we're going to make tawbah all together. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Tubu ilallahi jami'ah. It's Quran. Tubu ilallahi jami'ah ayyuhal mu'minun la'allakum tuflihun. That make tawbah to Allah Ta'ala together, believers. La'allakum tuflihun so that you will be successful in that tawbah. How we make Toba? So we make Toba, we will re-pledge ourselves in our Iman and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I recite some words of Iman and you recite them with me. And second, we will make Istighfar to Allah ta'ala. I will recite some words of forgiveness and you will recite them with me and then we will make Toba. Nabi alayhi salam zalamna anfusana and we wronged our own selves we allowed ourselves to go astray we let ourselves become distant from you and that tonight we have made tawbah we have repented from all of that we are turning to you ya Allah and accept our tawbah on this night accept our pledge on this night accept our promise on this night make us your true loyal believers make us your loving beloved believers and in beginning we ask that you forgive us for all the sins that we ever did Yalla, forgive us for the sins that we did in the day Forgive us for the sins that we did at night Forgive us for the sins that we did alone Forgive us for the sins that we did with others Yalla, Forgive us for the sins that we remember Forgive us for the sins that we've even forgotten that we did them Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem We ask that you accept our true tawbah We never want to go back to that life of sin We never want to go back to that way of sin Yalla, Erase all the memories of sin Remove all the thoughts of sin Yalla, Delete all the interest in sin. Ya Rabbi Kareem, the distance that came between you and us because of our sin, remove that distance, Ya Allah. Give us a second chance, Ya Allah. Send your hidayah on us once again, Ya Allah. Accept our hearts once again, Ya Allah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, put a love for you in our heart. We want you to be our true beloved, our real beloved. Ya Allah, take out all the unlawful loves that we have. Take out all the unlawful lust that we have. Take out all the unlawful materialistic greed that we have and fill our heart with a love for you love for Quran, love for Deen Islam, love for Nabi Salam, a love for his Sunnah a love for his Sahaba a love for all of the Siddiqeen a love for all of the Salihin you look, accept our heart for true love and protect our heart always from untrue love, you know, whatever is beloved to you 
pleasing to you, make it also beloved to us and pleasing to us. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, whatever is despised by you or is displeasing to you, Ya Allah, make it despised by us, make it displeasing to us. Ya Allah, protect us from shaitan and our nafs. Ya Allah, we have made tawbah before, we have asked your forgiveness before, but nafs and shaitan always threw us down. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are weak, Ya Allah. Make us strong, Ya Allah. Make us steadfast, Ya Allah. In this coming Ramadan, Ya Allah, make this month a month of qurb, a month of acceptance, a month of repentance, a month of change. Ya Allah, let us learn and practice every sunnah in this month. Let us learn and practice every feeling in this month. Let this month be a month in which we always remember you, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, if ever we forget you, remind us, Ya Allah. If ever we slip, guide us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask your protection from every sin, from every shirk, from every unlawful thing. And we ask your guidance to every noble thing. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, Hamana Gunaan ko maaf farma. Apne fazal karam ka maamla farma. Ya Rabbi Kareem, hum bhi aap hi se aap hi maangte. Aap ke nisbat chate. Aap se taluk chate hain. Aap ko kurb chate hain. Ya Rabbi Kareem, hum bare chiz maang rahe hain. Magar tu Kareem zat hai. Raheem zat hai. Haleem zat hai. Hanan hai. Manan hai. Ya Rabbi Kareem, humare dil ko bhi pasand farma. Jis tarah aap ne humare dil ko اولاً ہدایت کے لیے چنا یعنی بکریم آج دوبارہ ہمارے دلوں کو ایک نظر شفقت عطا فرما ایک نظر رحمت عطا فرما یعنی بکریم جو نظر آپ نے بشر حافی پر ڈالی آپ نے ان کو نشس دنیا کے نشے سے نکال کر شراب کے نشے سے نکال کر اپنا عشق نشہ پلایا یعنی بکریم وہی نظر ہمیں بھی عنایت فرما جو نظر آپ نے فضیل بن ایاز پر ڈالی وہ ڈاکو کا سردار تھا آپ کی نظر ان پر پڑی وہ اولیاء کا سردار بن گیا یعنی بکریم وہی نظر ہمیں بھی عنایت فرما ایک بار یعنی بکریم ایک بار محمد کی نظر نصیب فرما ایک بار شفق کی نظر عطا فرما اپنا کرم فضل کا معاملہ فرما بکریم ہم سب کو اپنے چاہنے والوں میں سے بنا اپنے محبین محبوبین میں سے بنا یعنی آج تک جو کمی کٹائے ہوئے سب کو معاف فرما آئندہ نیکی تقوی پرہیزگارے والے زندگی نصیب فرما یعنی بکریم we make the offer all of our friends all of our family all of our colleagues all of our neighbors all of the ummah anyone who is distant from you who is yet to know you who is yet to discover you yalla we ask that you send your hidayah on their heart they are better than us, Ya Allah. They would be more true to your hidayah. They would be more worthy of your hidayah. Ya Allah, we ask that you shower your hearts with their hidayah. Acquaint the whole world with your love. Acquaint the whole world with your mercy. And Ya Allah, we ask that you spend your special hidayah on the youth of this ummah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant all the women the hayah, Sayyidatana Maryam anha, the same way she would have walked, and she would have talked, and she would have acted, and she would have interacted. If she had been here, Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant all the women in this ummah the same way of walking, and the same way of acting, and the same way of interacting. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you grant all the men, the hayah of Sayyidina Yusuf salam, the hayah of Sayyidina Usman al-Ghani, the hayah of Sayyidina Rasulullah salam. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us loyal to our wives, loyal to our children, loyal to our teachers, loyal to our friends. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are sick and tired of our betrayals, sick and tired of our disloyalty, 
Bikri, we want to save these eyes to gaze upon you on the Day of Judgment. We want to save these eyes to gaze upon Sayyidina Rasulullah on the Day of Judgment. He Allah protect our eyes from the unlawful beauties of this world. Protect our eyes from the deceptions of this world. Bikri, we want to be yours. We want to be true to you, loving to you, loyal to you, obedient to you. Ya Allah, clean our mind from our dirty thoughts. Clean our heart from our dirty desires. Make us loyal and steadfast against us haya and ikhlas. Make us mu'mineen a haqqa, ya Allah. Make us true mu'mineen. Ya Allah, ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we make dua for all of the Muslimin, muta'asineen of this ummah. Ya Allah, you know where best where they are. Send your special help towards them. Your special mercy towards them. Show them light when there's darkness all around them. Protect them when they have no one. And ya Rabbi Kareem, accept us from the khidmat of deen, from the khidmat of ummah, from the khidmat of makhluk. Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, the love with which the people of Denmark invited us. Ya Allah, we ask that you honor that love and grant them your true love. Ya Rabbi Kareem, they came here tonight seeking you, wanting to be connected to you. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant them all of their heart's desire. Grant them that nisbat with you, that connection with you, that thought look with you. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. And Ya Allah, we ask that you forgive us for our sins, forgive us for our faults, unite us and gather us always in your love. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. تكمل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتوب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين